right, so things are things are getting tense. People are building walls. There's clear signs being thrown towards the Spartans and the Peloponnesians that a conflict may be coming. Athens has grown to be this great power anyways, and now they're doing things which would in, indicate to anybody on the other side that, like, hey, they might be wanting yeah. to start a fight here pretty soon. Well, there, there actually is war uh, in the 450s. Uh, yeah. They, they, even before this is sort of almost the first Peloponnesian War, uh, in that there's uh, the Athenians. Uh, it's all the whole like, that when the when Athenians start to deal with Megara, it actually causes essentially there is, is war with Corinth. Uh, they fight at least I think I think I have three three naval battles uh, against the Corinthians, winning one, winning two and losing one. Uh, they actually defend Megara from the Corinthians, and uh, basically that enrolls Megara in the uh, uh, in the Athenian League. And at the same time, there's also a, a revolt in Egypt, which the Athenians dive headlong into. Uh, and for this right around this time, so we're talking maybe four, four, five, nine, uh, four, five, eight, which is really sort of the sort of the the pinnacle of the Roman of the Roman the uh, Athenian Empire. <laughs> so what was what was uh why did they revolt in Egypt? What, what is it is it a grain situation because because the grain flow needs to keep going? Why did Athens? Want to go get involved in the Egyptian? Revolt. Oh, it's, it's they go to they go to Egypt to uh, to continue to take the war to the Persians. Uh, this is uh, oh, so it was another. So w- the Egyptians revolted against Persian rule, and yeah. Athens saw it as an opportunity to go to yeah. go put another tack yeah. another L onto the Persians. Yeah. So they, they they would imagine they, again the same with the same with the, with the Romans and all that. What if, if you detach Egypt from them? It's a big. It's a bit, and I say if, if yeah, it's a huge. If, if, if Athens yeah. is a big. A big role in giving, uh, getting Egypt its freedom. Then they'll have a big ally in the pharaohs, uh, and the pharaoh that comes afterwards. Uh, and that's uh, this really is uh, the, the the fact that Egypt or the fact that uh, Athens is able to fight Corinth, defend Megara, uh, and send a massive fleet. I think it's maybe 200 ships at this time, maybe 180, 200 uh, to uh, to Egypt to fight against the Persians, uh, who of course at this stage still have the big massive Phoenician yeah. fleet. Uh, it's sort of really the pinnacle of Athens being able to uh, Athenian power really they to are, operate they, as they, an they, empire, and it's becoming yeah, quite they're, clear they're, to everybody else that, like, hey, yeah. this is a fucking problem. This is going to be is, an issue for us sooner than later. They don't necessarily lose power after this. They sort of uh, it's, it's just necessary things are start things start to go wrong, as you say, maybe because the Persians start to see that there is this is a, a threat in in Egypt, and the Spartans and Corinthians are starting to think maybe. Maybe we should do something about this, and members of the league are starting to think, you know, this this is not what we signed up for. Yeah, not what we've all that kind of thing. And there's other places that sort of don't really like the idea. And I say Athens still still uh, records notable successes, but uh, after that, it's not necessarily downhill. It's certainly plateaued uh, in the 450s. As I say, in four four five seven, I think she conquers Aegina, which has been a, a massively long. Uh, held Athenian uh, uh, enemy, which is a uh, it's an island in it's an island beside Samos or that sorry beside uh, Salamis in uh, just off the coast of Athens. Uh, it had been a big big enemy for a long time. They were actually able to conquer it at this stage. Uh, I say forcibly enrolled in the in the Delian League. Delian League yeah. uh, and this is sort of the events that this sort of these ideas with the, with Athens defeating Corinth and fighting Aegina and uh, allying with Megara. Uh, the Spartans finally emerge from their slumber to think that they will actually maybe should try to do something about this, and uh, I think they sort of go against uh, they sort of go against they go try and uh, they, essentially it's a bit sort of one of these like what, what would be called an expedition in sort of the old sort of colonial time understanding of it. They sort of they march up there. I don't know if they have any real in any real sort of uh, uh, sort of ideas of fighting anybody. But it's really it's a, it's an expedition. We're going up there. We're basically to show that we're still about, and the, Spart- the Persian army, the Spartan army, is still uh, a strong Spartan army. They're going up into northern Greece to uh, uh, basically to sort of basically again. It's, it's a show. This is just to show that they, we it's are. A, we call it in my line of work at PetSmart. We call it a show of force. It was yes. a show of force operation to yeah. come up and show, hey, we know you're there. Well, yeah. we're we're here too. So yeah, it's a, it, don't get any, it, it, don't get any ideas. Yeah, it's the idea that they, they were trying to show uh, Athens that they were to stay away from uh, Boeotia, which is sort of the next region up. And so Boeotia had been 
as they were centered on Thebes, which, as I say, they probably what the third city of of ancient Greece, uh, and the sort of the Athenians had maybe started to look uh, at maybe uh, expanding their uh, influence up there as well. Uh, but it's maybe actually I've say surprise, and this is four five seven uh, when the when the when the Spartans are coming home, uh, the Athenian the Athenian uh, army marches out to meet them, uh, and this was a big shock that the Athenian the Athenian army was willing to fight a pitched battle against uh, against the Spartans. Uh, I mean, it's sort of something basically the Spartans probably weren't didn't think it was going to happen. Because uh, they thought, you know, we're just going to show up. Spartans. We're the Spartans. We're going to show them we're here. Ain't yeah. shit going to happen, etc., etc. Et and Athens came out and said, "Make a yeah. move." All these, all these artsy fartsy Athenians, they are. They just look after their their fleet. That's all they deal with. But all of a sudden, there's a, an army of Athenian hoplites uh, in the field, uh, willing to fight the Spartans. Uh, having said that, as we all know, what happens with when you fight a pitched battle against? Uh, uh, mid fifth century Spartans, uh, uh, the Athenians lose. probably not a recipe for success. Yeah. No, it's still they are they are still the Spartans. Yeah, it's, it's not uh, nothing has changed in that uh, in the twenty something years since Plataea when they massacred the the, the Persians. Uh, they are still the Spartans. Uh, it's another fifty or sixty years before they sort of aren't really the Spartans anymore. It's that yeah. kind of there are still several thousand of them who are. Quite willing to uh, mow you down as they recite poetry, marching into battle. Yes. Um, but at the same time, the problem is again with the normal problem with Spartans is that they don't stick around for the uh, for the aftermath of it all. Uh, they defeat the Athenians, think that that's enough. Battles won. Uh, we've shown them the lesson. But actually, the Athenians haven't been that badly beaten. Uh, they stay in the field, and as the Spartans go home, they mar- the Athenians march up into uh, Boeotia and. Uh, Basically, bring it all under. Uh, they win a battle at uh, uh, on a fight. I think it's called on a fight. The first, the battle against the Spartans was Tanagra, mm-hmm. uh, and they win, they win a battle against the Thebans. I think maybe at on a fight, uh, and basically bring all of Boeotia into the Athenian army. Which was the whole point of the Spartans going up yeah. there in the first place was to show <laughs> them, hey, no, you're not coming it, over here, so don't even try Thebes, it. Thebes itself is, is, is manages to stay independent, but. Uh, Basically, the rest of Boeotia uh, now recognises Athens as its great, uh, as its uh, overlord. Uh, and around this time, uh, the the long walls are finished as well. So we're really starting to see this is Athens at her height in uh, 455, I think, or maybe sort of 455. I think actually around this time they actually managed to take a uh, a settlement in Pel in the Peloponnese itself. I think there's a place called Trozen. I think is actually mm-hmm. a, actually a, a Peloponnesian city state as well, which actually joins the Athenians too. Uh, which is again another massive problem for the uh, for the Spartans. We can't have an Athenian base in uh, uh, south of the isthmus, so it's that kind of real problem. Um, and say then four five five after that, they it all starts not necessarily go pear shaped, but it, it doesn't quite work as well as the Athenians would have wanted to. Uh, in four five five, the uh, the Athenian revolt is defeated. <coughs> to me, uh, this is where. Uh, I think uh, the, Athen- the Greeks actually tried to uh, they attacked Memphis, which is one of the great cities of, uh, of, ancient, of yeah. ancient Egypt, yeah. and uh, they'd actually taken most of Memphis, except probably from the citadel, uh, and the, the Persian counterattack had driven them out. Uh, but the Athenian navy is still there, undefeated, uh, operating through the uh, through the, all the, the cataracts and uh, uh, sort of we the sort of side streams of our or basically the entire Nile Delta. Um, but what do the the Persians do uh, to stop this navy from working? As uh, so showing again that the Persians are still on a completely different level of thinking than uh, than even the, the even the Athenians are. Uh, rather than try and go into the Nile Delta and all these canals and try and uh, uh, and try and sort of defeat them in battle, uh, the, the, the Persians just decide to redirect part of the Nile, uh, they redirect one of these canals, <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden the, the Athenian navy has no water to float on, um, and this kind of, say, this is the end, uh, this is the end of the Athenian expedition to, because uh, actually what, what was a, uh, what would have been a naval battle turns into a land battle, and uh, the Persians have more men, and just sort of swamp the uh, the Athenian 
uh, the Athenians basically had their hands. Hence, hence the whole Athenians asking for Spartan help way back in the day on the last couple of episodes. We were well, yeah. On. yeah, and I, actually for this actually for this case, I think the the Persians themselves actually asked the Spartans to invade Attica. Uh, maybe around this time, like maybe in four five five. To provide a distraction, yeah. Yeah. The old, but then of course now the long walls are finished, so it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Um, this this is a rare problem, and say this, the the, the fighting had been bad, was bad enough between these between the uh, Athenian ally, the Athenians and their allies and uh, the Peloponnesians for that actually to be a peace treaty. They actually ended, they actually decided they needed a, a peace treaty between them. So this actually had been, this wasn't just sort of local skirmishing and accidental combat. This was something that needed to be. Uh, needed to be sort of uh, dealt with officially. Uh, the, the Athenians sort of... And the Athenians, to say, had, hadn't been defeated. Uh, they had they had sort of basically thumbed their nose at the Corinthians, had stood up to the Spartans, had defeated the Thebans. So, I mean, what else is there left? They sort of, they are, uh, they are really in sort of top-notch form. Uh, they are as high as it gets. Uh, but to say now that things are maybe not quite as... Uh, not going to work quite as well after this. Uh, mm. sort of, now, uh, I think, uh, the Chemon actually comes back on the scene. He had been, they sort of realised, I think the Athenians in a moment of clarity had realised that they needed some decent generals and had, uh, were quite happy to take Chemon back after his ostracism and send, I think he goes and, he goes and fights in Cyprus. It's again showing that the Athenians had, hadn't really broad, had broadened their horizons again. They were yeah. going to go and try and conquer part of Cyprus. And, well, to uh, put things in perspective to anybody who can't envision it, we're talking Greece, you know, the Greek peninsula, we're talking, you know, we're right across the, the sea from Italy and all that, From you know, so we're over there, Cyprus is off the coast of fucking Israel, so we're, I mean, it's far away, we're talking over over the land and bridge, and yeah. Further away again? Yeah. Egypt is Egypt, Egypt, is Egypt and then, and then, yeah, Egypt all the way down there, so at the bottom of the Mediterranean. Yeah, so the Athenian fleet is, is going far and wide here. Uh, and uh, I think Kimon goes to Cyprus and uh, I think he's killed in about the first 10 seconds or something like that. Oh, wow. Uh, but the Athenians are still victorious. They actually defeat, I think they defeat the Persians again. Uh, they, they win a double victory over the Persians once more at Cyprus. So, uh, And this, I think, finally brings the the Persians to the negotiating table. They are sort of basically sick of the Athenians and their allies sort of going all over the place and defeats it. Uh, basically, over the last 25 years, they, they, they've been there's been a string of Persian defeats at the hands of uh, the Greek navy, uh, and there's essentially what in 448 it's called one of these another one of these big gaps in time. Uh, in 448, we see the uh, what is called the peace with Persia. Uh, so that there's actually a, a formal uh, yeah. formal peace treaty between uh, uh, between Persia and probably the Delian League. I would imagine. I don't think the Spartans did anything to do with it. Um, but of course, with this great this great peace with Persia. Uh, there's literally no need for the Delian League anymore. Uh, yeah. There's no the 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 Aegean doesn't have any Persians. It doesn't have any pirates. Uh, so what's it for? Uh, and that's really what we start to see with uh, uh, we start to see some of these problems. A lot of these people, all of the subject allies, and say uh, are starting now to ask that question. Uh, what is this league for if we're not fighting the Persians anymore? Uh, and this is where we start to see uh, uh, Athens starting to have trouble. Um, in was it 447, the Athenians are defeated and Boeotia uh, falls out of the Athenian orbit, goes back to Thebes. Um, I think actually, uh, even sort of some of their allies in the north, the Phocus, the Phocians, and the Locrians, I think they uh, they abandon the Athenian alliance as well. And, they're, and the Athenians are in no position to march to help them, or to march, well, to say help them. March to uh, suggest that they uh, they rejoin the league. There, there's no, they can't really go and fight them again. Uh, Megara revolts, Euboea revolts, um, uh, and again the the, the Megara is, is lost to the Athenians, but Euboea is basically sacked into uh, uh, voluntarily rejoining the league. Uh, <laughs> that kind of uh, it's all these kind of it's, 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 it's things like that uh, that are going on uh, along this. Let's say the four forties. Again, we're starting to we're starting to lose sort of. I think it's sort of there's not really as much going. There's either not as much going on, or the sources are not good enough to tell us anything. Because we're now we're sort of jumping five years at a time. We're sort of, sort of we're now we're now all of a sudden now we're in four four six, 
uh, we're, we've, we've jumped uh, jumped ten years from them and now down a couple of years after the the peace with Persia, um, and a lot of the sources now any, any books you read are now starting to talk about uh, what's Athens starting to do with the money that it's been getting yeah. from. Uh, we start to talk about this is where a lot of the books you read when I talk about the beautification of uh, of Athens. This is when the the Parthenon is beautified and they start to find all these colonies everywhere and say where are they paying for all of this? There's I mean there's there's the Parthenon, there's the Temple of Athena, there's uh, a Temple of Hephaestus and Poseidon and Apollo. There's the Long Walls themselves. Uh, they've rebuilt a lot of the citadel, rebuilt a lot of the city, full stop really with uh, with basically league money. Um, they started to send out trading contacts to the far east, to the far west. I think they've uh, a trading, they signed a trading treaty with a, a city called Segesta, I think maybe in northern Sicily. Uh, so I mean, and others in, uh, I think Pericles, who's now the big chief buck cat in uh, in Athens, is, has a leads an expedition up into the Black Sea. So I mean, uh, if Athens is, uh, and a lot of this sort of just happens over the city, things that just sort of happen by name. Uh, they find yeah. a new place called Amphipolis. Uh, and but there's still other revolts going on at the same time, uh, Byzantium revolts. Uh, same th- same thing that happens to every empire. Yeah, <laughs> start it's, it's getting just, a lot of little fires breaking out. A wee bit quicker. This just yeah. happens a wee bit quicker. Uh, and then the, the, the revolt of Samos as well, which is a very big problem because Samos is another bit like Theosos is one of these big islands that contributes. I think it's one of the two that still contributes Largest, ships. Yeah. Uh, and it's so, so it's one of the big ones, and the Athenians have a big problem with it as well. Um, so again, so those last those last ten years maybe are not quite as maybe it's a bit more than ten years uh, are not quite as well uh, expounded upon as uh, as maybe the, even the earlier part of that. Uh, and this is when we start to see, as you said, as I say, the uh, the Corinthians and the Spartans are now starting to think that maybe they should do something about uh, about the about the Athenians. Uh, they're maybe they're a bit too big for their boots and a bit too too much of a problem for everybody else. Uh, Corinth, of course, is complaining that Athens is dealing is underwriting all of her trade, and if Corinthians don't care about anybody else, but uh, there's a lot of others who are sort of all the allies that are revolting against Athens are asking for help uh, from Sparta, and of course Sparta doesn't care really at the moment. Uh, has it? Has it actually? Has Athens actually done anything wrong that the Spartans would really care about? And yeah. up until now, the answer is really apart from Tanagra, the battle at Tanagra. The answer is really no. Uh, the, the Spartans haven't really, have this, but the Athenians haven't done anything enough yet to annoy the Spartans, and uh, uh, maybe it's now. But then now, with the, by the time we get into the through the four thirties, uh, now you're starting to see that the, uh, the the Spartans and certainly the certainly the the Corinthians are now starting to start to really take notice and actually are wanting something a bit more drastic than sort of uh, the Spartans sneer towards Athens that they normally give. That sort of leads us to the big prelude and the big, the big speeches that Thucydides invents to uh, explain uh, what uh, what happened. Because a lot of this sort of devolves into sort of, well, there's some war, but it's mostly politics. Yeah. It's politics that bring about the outbreak of the Peloponnesian War. Uh, but uh, it's again, it's it's what the, what the Peloponnesians would consider Athens sticking her nose in business that is not hers. Uh, is what they. That's what the, the Corinthians tried to, to uh, try to tell this, to try to get the Spartans to intervene uh, in a lot of it. Um, and it sort of, it's really starts, it sparks over to Corinthian, uh, Corinthian colonies that the uh, say that the Athenians are sort of dragged. So well, not one of them they're dragged into, and one of them they're sort of forced into it by the sort of laws of the uh, the laws of the of their league. Uh, they're called Corsaira and uh, Podadea. Okay. Uh, Corsair will be known to a lot of other people as Corfu, as the island of Corfu, uh, which is sort of off the west coast of Greece. Potidae is up in, uh, if you look at a map of Greece, that thing that looks like a, a cow's udder. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's up there, and it's one of those, uh, it's, in the, it's in the Chersonese at the top. Um, and both of these are Corinthian colonies, and supposedly then that the Corinthians would have uh, sway over a lot of them. Uh but with Corsaira, which is sort of the big one, so it's sort of the basis where the, the real trouble sort of is what really drives Corinth towards wanting war with Athens. Uh, Corsaira was a uh, uh, quite a decent naval power in its own. It's obviously a big island, so the yeah. state actually had control over a lot of it. Uh, it had sent its, it had founded its own 
uh, colony at a place called Epidamnus. Okay. Uh, sort of a place that actually becomes far more uh, so, uh, far more famous and important a position later for the uh, for the king of Epirus and for the Romans as well. Uh, there's a sort of a fight between Corsaira and Corinth over who has sort of the rights to deal with Epidamnus. Is it the mother colony or is it the mother mother colony? And yeah, that kind of thing. Uh, and eventually leads to a battle between uh, Corsaira and uh, and Corinth, uh, which the Corsairans win, uh, which is sort of completely against, completely out of the blue. Yeah. Uh, four three five, uh, they win this battle and uh, obviously hum- humiliate Corinth. I mean, Corinth is this is shouldn't should not uh, uh, a city like Corinth should not be beaten by any of its colonies. And she then organises a massive naval expedition, uh, basically to punish Corsaira. And uh, the Corsairans are panicking and uh, look around for help. And the only place they they sort of decide to go to is Athens uh, is to ask for the Athenians oh, uh, to intervene. And uh, there's a sort of this is where the, this is where the first sort of he reads. If you do go and read some of Thucydides, uh, the great historian of this period, this is where he comes into his own, uh, where he starts putting words in everybody's mouth. That basically, this is what they should have said and probably and to some extent did say. He might have had notes on sort of gist of the speeches yeah. but he now comes up with a series of speeches from Corsairans and Corinthians and Athenians and Spartans and Corinthians again and Spartans again and it's all about this it's the whole sort of build up to the Peloponnesian where it's all about these speeches uh, basically saying what everybody thought uh, and they put the Corinthians and the Corsairans rock up to Athens basically to plead their case to say that the, the Corsairans wanted help uh, from Athens and the Corinthians were there to say you know if you help Corsaira, you're going to be in direct violation you're, of the peace. Yeah, you're directly helping somebody rebel against <coughs> us, which yeah. will be, you know, looked at as a as a act of aggression. Yeah, and that could, that would end up basically that could end up uh, saying nullifying the peace with with Sparta. Uh, the Athenians didn't care about Corinth. Uh, the Athenians thought they could take Corinth, uh, but uh, it's the it's the Spartan army, of course, that uh, we're maybe a bit we don't really want to yeah. have to. Fight. We don't have to. Um, Despite all these arguments, uh, the Athenians agree a defensive alliance with uh, with the Corsairans, which means if uh, the Corinthians send their expedition, then the uh, Athens is going to come uh, back Athens them would up. Would be bound to help. Uh, now, the, their help they send is only ten ships, uh, but actually, that doesn't seem like all that much. Uh, but actually, at the, the subsequent battle in 433, a place called a battle called Sabota, uh, apparently the uh, the Corsairan fleet was about to collapse uh, on one of the flanks, and the Athenian flank. The Athenian that has happened to be the flank that the Athenians were on, and the Athenian these ten Athenian ships actually solidify, um, solidify the Corsairan ranks, and actually sort of. I think it's one of these one of these battles that both sides claim was a victory. Yeah. Uh, when Corinth probably had the better of the fighting, but then left the battlefield, uh, so both sides could claim yeah uh, a victory. Uh, but this is the Corinthians are not amused. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, and they say this is sort of made even worse by uh, uh, by the revolt of Potidaea, uh, which is uh, which again is a, it's, a, it's one of these strange ones. Uh, it's a Corinthian colony, but joined the Athenian League, uh, huh. uh, joined the uh, the Delian League. Um, rather hypocritically, uh, at this time the uh, the Athenians demanded that Potidaea pull down its walls, uh, which is say, considering what the Athenians had just done to their yeah. own set of walls and had done with Megara and the walls, uh, seems very hypocritical. Um, essentially, she wants she wants Corinth, she wants Potidaea to cut all ties with Corinth. Uh, Corinth already, had, I think Corinth still sent out maybe a governor or maybe even even more than that. The Athenians wanted that tie cut after after Sabata and. Uh, then sort of uh, the, the Potidaeans actually I think probably call Corinth for help uh, and Corinth actually then gets into the year of Sparta <clears throat> and supposedly Sparta actually ag- uh, agrees to invade Attica as early as uh, 4432 uh, if the Potidaeans would revolt uh, of course Spartan promises are not really worth very much when it comes <laughs> to those kind of things uh, they probably had a religious festival yeah um, something to attend to but the, the yeah the Potidaeans revolt they are then defeated by the, the uh, by the, the Athenians in battle. Uh, 
but there's a massive then siege now for the next three years uh, where the Athenians are trying to capture Potidaea. Uh, again, it's one of these things, the distances involved between where Athens is, where all the base of everything is, and where Potidaea is up in the north. Uh, it takes Not only does it take three years, this this costs an absolute fortune yeah. uh, for the Athenians. One of the things, sort of even looking back maybe after 30, 27 years of war, Peloponnesian War, people will look back to uh, the fact that it takes them, it costs them so much money uh, to to capture Potidaea again. I say they talk about a thousand talents, uh, which is very difficult to quantify, but it's, it's a massive amount of uh, of money. Everybody, keep in mind in the very very back of your mind because this was mentioned long ago, uh, many miles and many battles ago. But the entire setup, the entire reason we're covering what we're covering is because another colony, a great colony from the north. Macedon is going to rise at the end of this and it's the children of Macedon end up becoming some very influential and famous people so when you think about how we're talking 27 28 years of constant war um, war between colonies colonies revolting Athens stretching its reach fighting the Persians and now they're taking three years and all this money and all this manpower to take back um, this city and then we're going to cover here in here quite shortly um a very costly and tide turning uh sicilian debacle that ends up happening um this is what's draining these great powers and creating like kind of a wasteland uh down here that is going to lead to some very interesting things in the near future or near past or you know what i'm saying so anyways they take they take years to try and take this place back and it's a yeah, thing, I, I, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the siege of Potidaea continues uh, up until and beyond the, the actual declaration of war. Uh, let's say we're now in 432, so we're sort of the the, the sort of uh, the Corinthians are really getting into the ear of the Spartans now that they, they need to do something about this. Um, and yet, with this relate with the relations all strained st- so strained between Athens and the Peloponnesians, uh, we see what could only be described as a intentionally cruel gesture on the part of uh, Athens and this is sort of the thing that if you really wanted to see if you really want to find sort of Alan being or sort of Athens being the villain uh, it's the it's what's called the uh, the Megarian decree uh, this is uh, there's literally no the only thing is there's literally no need for it other than being a bastard about it uh, the Megarian decree it's, it's aimed specifically at this region Megara which had been an Athenian ally briefly but had returned to the Peloponnesians um, the Athenians ban all Megarians from uh, trading in Athenian ports uh, and not just Athenian ports but Athenian empire ports uh, which basically cuts off everything Megara from yeah. the Aegean uh, and this is it basically brings economic and economic ruin to the Megaran, the Megarans, uh, basically overnight. Uh, and there's there's almost literally no reason for this. This is a very much a uh, we're doing this because we can. We have the power to do this, and uh, this sort of uh, sort of showing off to Corinth and, and sort of a, maybe a big a big warning to a lot of a lot of its own allies as well as a lot of the Peloponnesians that we are uh, look at the kind of power and authority look what we, we can have. do to you too yeah, yeah. Look, what we, look what we can do to what is a, what, to be fair what is a, a, a pretty a middling power I mean the, the Megara is not is not some wee piddly town Megara is a, like, yeah. a bit like Athens in that it it's a big city by itself but also it controls a region not a lot of these other places don't control regions they actually have they're just a city state whereas Megara is actually a region and a city so it's actually it's actually reasonably big compared to a lot of the others and yet Athens is able to Sort of ruin it just economically, yeah. Just by just by being just by being thran about it, they're just being just to show that they could. Uh, and this is really this is our these three between Potidaea and Corsaira and uh, the Megarian decree. This is really where sort of the line is drawn. Uh, we see assemblies meet, meeting in uh, uh, for the Peloponnesian League, and with the Corinthians accused the Corinthians accusing Athens of breaking the Thirty Years Peace. Uh, and really, it's it's actually probably actually the Megarian decree that is probably the one that's seen as uh, the sort of uh, sort of real sort of breaking of this of the peace treaty between the uh, Athenians and the and the Peloponnesians. Um, 
So really, they have this now. There's a meeting between of the Peloponnesian League, which then uh, say the Athenians again. It's Thucydides in his speeches. They talk about uh, the, the Corinthians are talking, the Spartans are talking, the Athenians are talking, uh, and basically now the Athenians have got sort of obedient enough to basically go. We don't really care anymore. Uh, yeah. You could use whatever you like. Yeah, you can. You our can empire. Get mad. We are we are independent. We have our own thing. We have Athenian walls. Get mad okay. if you want to get mad. Yeah, go the ahead. Spartans can go and destroy every other army they like, but they're not going to get to us because they can't get through our walls. And uh, so it's that kind of that's the kind of sort of thing we see from uh, uh, from Athens is that she, they just don't care anymore. Uh, it's that kind of uh, they're quite happy. They're not they're not overly disappointed by uh, the outbreak of war. Uh, and essentially, this is what happens. Uh, the Spartans come down on the idea that uh, the Athenians have broken the peace, and uh, then uh, basically tell. And they actually, they, they talk to the Delphic Oracle, uh, which assures Sparta of Apollo's support, which is then the Peloponnesians then vote for war. Uh, and this is the outbreak of the Peloponnesian War uh, in 431. Uh, and this is so they sort of the end of those 50 years between. The Peloponnesian War, or sorry, the, the the Persian War and the Peloponnesian War is uh, sort of this great sort of. And it's not always this great slide to war, but certainly the first twenty five years aren't, but the second twenty five years are. Yeah. Uh, after, basically after uh, the Spartans uh, uh, screwed over Chemon, uh with uh, the with the help revolt at Ithome, uh, really it becomes this sort of slide towards uh, trouble because Athens is so uppity about it all and and. You could argue quite rightly so with part of it, uh, but now after 50 years of setting it all up, we now have essentially 27 years of uh, of war between the between these two alliances, the Peloponnesian League and uh, and the Athenian Empire, which it is now because it's not the Delian League anymore. And this was one of the first things that we saw of. Um, it's really I've seen it called in certain places. Uh, you know, one of the first. Um, what we see now as what we understand in a modern context as war because you got one big boy group another against another big boy group it wasn't tribes or city states fighting over territory this was you know the one big in the one empire versus another sort of empire more of a of a allied league uh fighting yeah there's far more there's far more than just yeah there's it's far more than just uh one against it's just it's not really one against one uh, now the Athenians are really on their own, but I mean, you look at uh, you look at what the uh, what the Peloponnesian League side of things are. I mean, there's that's a lot of individual states as well as just not just Sparta. You get the Corinthians and say there's so many sort of individual involved in it with all their own sort of ideas of things. And of course, then the other side of things is that uh, I mean, the Persians have not necessarily gone away either. Uh, the Persians are watching this with. Mm-hmm. Uh, a great amount of interest and in seeing that the the Greeks can't get along and how can they ins- exploit this and this is what uh, we will see eventually now it doesn't quite yeah, happen they fucked up yeah, that was so, a mistake <laughs> they yeah. find out later that, that was a bad idea but um, anyways well, that's 50 years away that, uh, that yeah. real sort of, the real sort of payment for that is, is well it's 100 years away they should have uh, just went ahead and left this area alone <laughs> Well, yeah. No, it's, um, it's, so, it's, what do we? What do we got as highlights for for the next twenty seven years before we get to the Sicilian disaster? Um, you know, well, some back and forth, some characters. What do we got during these twenty seven years? Well, we've got to, there's uh, there's essentially the Peloponnesian War is is really two separate conflicts. Yeah. Uh, it's called the uh, they're split it into they're split into the, the Argadamian War, the Argadamian War and yeah. uh, the Decalian War, uh, but really they're all. There's a, there's a essentially there's a peace treaty right smack bang in the middle of it where they decide they don't want to fight anymore. Personalities wise, apart from the the names like the, well, Archidamus is the is the king and yep. Pericles is about Pericles is the leader of Athens, but he doesn't last very long because uh, uh, we'll see. As there's a big massive problem uh, with the Athenian long walls that uh, which I mean if anybody that really thinks about it. Uh, we'll figure it out pretty quickly as well. Anyway, I say, what happens when you've got uh, twenty thousand people, or more than that, far more than that, hundred thousand people, all in a very small, compact area, 
uh, at the height of summer uh, not really that much food to deal with um, what happens uh, in, in sort of close quarters like that uh, is that Athens is hit by a plague uh, oh. in the very first years of the war uh, and that kills Pericles and uh, the problem is that Athens doesn't necessarily get up until now, up until now Athens has had Miltiades, Themistocles, Cimon, Pericles. There's not really anybody after the death of Pericles who's really in that class. Now, there are some big names, and there are some quite good politicians, uh, but none of them are really in that class. And uh, certainly so, not up to the task of fighting no, the they, fucking they, they not Peloponnesian the, well, League. Were, fucking, yeah. There is one. There is one guy who is smart enough and clever enough and would be able to lead them uh, but uh, uh, that's Alcibiades and he but he's another one he's he's uh, if there's a big show or cane of the, uh, the late uh, of this of this period who just continually goes from being good and bad yeah uh, it's Alcibiades he probably he turns face and heel about four times yeah. in the space of about four years um, and he He's a great character. He's he's probably the, he's probably the standout character of the Peloponnesian War, uh, but he doesn't actually do either side any good. Any good, <laughs> yeah. On, he, uh, he, he, he basically he's a disaster for. He turns out to be a disaster for the Athenians. He then actually turns out to be a disaster for, for the Spartans, and then the Athenians again, and then the Athenians again, and and yet as one of these ones that he should still have been li- one of these guys that should, should still have been listened to. At the very last, at the very last sort of dying, uh, dying hours almost of the war, he is still there to sort of go tell the Athenians what's about to happen, and they don't listen to him. And uh, the last great battle is lost. And there's other, there's there's few other names. There's Lysander is a very interesting character. Yeah, I was about to say uh, Lysander is what we were going to get to a little bit later when he's a very strange character in that he's a, a Spartan who knows how to uh, fight a fl- uh, fight uh, uh, with a navy, which is. Yeah. Uh, Completely out there, and um, saying, "How can I mean, the Spartans don't have a navy, so uh, they need to find one from somewhere?" And, Basically, uh, what what I was going to get to with everybody is Lysander's a pretty bad motherfucker, and ends up leading. You no, know, he's again, he's a smart Spartan. He's yeah. like the worst of the worst for the Athenians. Yeah, for the Athenians. So he's the he's a smart Spartan. He comes along right at the right time too, yeah. because we have this we have this back and forth. We have these this war for twenty seven years. Um, so the way I understand this is Sicily, way the fuck over here in in you know off the boot of Italy, as we Italy know, football. Um, is is an ally, a distant ally, I guess, of Athens. Part of it is Syracuse, it is. yeah, because it's it's kind of split in half on the on the the I can't remember which side is which, but Syracuse is on one Syracuse. side, the Sicilians are on the other side of the island of Sicily. Syracuse and Sicily get into a war. Sicily's starting to lose. Athens, in the middle of this Peloponnesian War, why would they have committed so much manpower and such an effort to go to save the Sicilians? And while on the other side, it said that the Spartans were trying to help boost the Syracusians to try and try and help this, this think, distraction be even bigger. Well, this is it's, it's part, partly it'll be part of the it's the sort of. Uh, the tyranny or the stupidity of democracy as one time it's a, a demagogue leads it and suggests this idea uh, I think also they were I mean it's uh, this they were going to help an ally in Sagasta but really I think maybe they saw that they could if they could they I think I think maybe I think there's some idea that the Peloponnesians are making overtures towards Syracuse and the Syracuse which is a big navy big navy uh, yeah. is this is maybe where the, this is maybe where the Peloponnesians could get their navy that could uh, help them match the the Syracusan navy and the Corinthian navy together could maybe cause a lot of trouble, uh, and maybe uh, they decided see, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. I uh, now to be fair, I'm only sort of that's me sort of maybe remembering something that I learned mm-hmm. twelve years ago or just made made up twelve seconds ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's the. I think there's an idea that there's basically the Athenians want to maybe well the, the conquest of Sicily would have been massive for them if they'd have managed yeah. it, particularly the conquest of Syracuse because there's a lot of very rich, uh, sort of. They again had a big fleet. They ended up with another. Well, yeah, for anybody who doesn't know, Syracuse by. is a is a legendary uh, navy and society, and it even took um, something that we'll get into much further down the road. The, the Great Roman Empire. It was a 
massive undertaking for them to to take Syracuse. Um, Syracuse are some... They were badass. They were way badass. And so, if they're going to war with uh, an Athenian ally over there, the Peloponnesians are going to look at this and say, Hey, the enemy of my enemy might be my friend. We don't have the navy to compete with Athens. Maybe we should go over here and try to help these guys out. And if they win, they'll be on our side. And then we have the legendary navy of Syracuse to help us out in our struggles with Athens. So Athens sees this, or maybe thinks, perceives that this is going to be happening. So then they contribute a large amount of manpower and effort to go over there and try to help Sicily and strengthen their ties over there. This did not work out. Ended up being a boondoggle for them, and then uh, the great general Lysander comes along at about the same time. Yeah, like you said, it's, it's the Athenian expedition. The, the Sicilian expedition is is again, it's just the sending of the wrong people. Uh, I mean, the, the fact that there's there, there's the, it's the again, it's the the wrong leader of an expedition. Uh, when uh, so I think they they send three leaders. One of them is recalled. Alcibiades is recalled. Uh, uh, Nicias, or sorry, Lamsacus is who's the sort of general of it all. He is killed, and then it's left with General Nicias, who is the least suited man who has ever probably led an expedition anywhere. Uh, he, he's a, he's a politician, and he didn't want the Sicilian expedition. But somebody who didn't want the Sicilian expedition and, and has no military career behind him ends up leading the Sicilian expedition uh. and leads it into a completely and utter disaster. Uh, but it's a, it's a, it's a, the whole thing that you could break down the Sicilian expedition into some and sort of the, the building of walls and counter walls and uh, the fact that I mean the Syracuse up around the hills of Syracuse is very dry or very full of I think I think it's malarial uh, so I mean the Athenians said that anybody that besieges Syracuse has all of those problems against them the, the Athenians find out and the Carthaginians would find out two or three times and the, particularly then the Romans would find out. Uh, uh, in the uh, the two twenties, I think, two thirties or no, two teens, I think, uh, with uh, our good friend uh, Archimedes. Archimedes, um, yep. That is that is. That, I mean, that's a story I'm looking forward to telling when we get to it because the 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 taking of of Syracuse by the Romans is a, is a legendary story and is insane. Yeah. But it took Legend, one of the sorry, most... legendary on both sides. Both sides of the... both sides. Yes, Archimedes and Rome, and, and that's just laid out there for you, like. The Athenians just did not know what they were getting into, and that can't be like a like a side piece mission. That can't be oh we're just gonna send some scrub out there to take over and help the Sicilians. Like that's a good reason why Athens went out there and messed around and got their asses whipped and got and two lost tons of resources. Two big fleet, two big fleets and two armies. Uh, just not basically none of it came home. Uh, all these ones that say, and yet they say after all that. The Syracusans still end up joining the war against the Athenians. Uh, the Syracusan fleet ends up joining the, the Spartan fleet. So now the Syracusans come to help the Peloponnese. Lysander, the great general who can also connect, command a navy, naval battle, is comes along. So now it's it's a combination of, of just the worst that, a possible scenario for Athens. <laughs> and then the other sort of the other thing is that who's paying for this Spartan fleet? Uh, it's it's not Sparta, it's not Corinth, it's not Syracuse. Uh, the Spartans have been able to swallow their pride and uh, have uh, got the Persian king to uh, pay for us pay for their fleet. Uh, essentially, what the, I think the Persians have looked at it and thought, thought that you know the Athenians are far more far more of a pain in the arse than the yeah. uh, than the Spartans, so uh, we'll be quite happy to uh, pay for the Spartans to beat the Athenians. Essentially, the Peloponnesian League comes down to it's a Massive naval power against a massive land power. Land power, yep. But then and once you eliminate one of those advantages, the only way that anybody was ever going to win was one of them was going to have to cross over. Yep. To was going to have to defeat the other on their favour. So so the Spartans would have to defeat the Athenians on sea, or the or the Athenians would have to defeat the Spartans on land. And essentially, what what eventually does happen is that the Spartans get a navy and a commander in Lysander that actually proved to be capable of uh, defeating the Athenians. Uh, but there's a whole lot of other things in the middle of that as well, where they they let's say as we used to, in sort of the late sort of the four from four thirteen onwards, you start to see some drastic decisions by the Athenian democracy as they sort of 
just the, the kind of really poor decisions that uh, a democracy can make uh, when led but when being sort of coaxed by demagogues it's, it's some very poor decisions uh, killing or looking to kill generals who because they were un, unsuccessful and won because of the weather uh, that kind of uh, that kind of idea there's and looking to kill uh, an entire uh, entire populace just because it just just because it uh, had the balls to uh, revolt against us and that kind of thing. It's uh, and, and that's only the second half of the war. The first half of the war is uh, is far worse than that. It's uh, well, not far worse. It's, it's it's a completely different type of thing. Cause it's all about the, the well, about the Spartans invading uh, invading Athenian territory. And I think there's there's even a, the sort of probably the rarest thing of all in uh, in the middle of all of that where we see a Spartan army surrender. Uh, a certain Spartan army surrenders to Athenians now. It's not a very big army, but uh, it's another thing that never happens. Spartans surrendering uh, at the uh, on the island of I think it's the Battle of Pylos, Spartaria, Pylos. Uh, so that's again, there's things like that as well. There's I mean, there's uh, there might not be the sort of great battles again. The problem is one of these strange things for a for a war that lasts 27 years. We don't really have sort of a great pitched battle. Yeah. Like, like marathon or like Plataea where we can sort of you could where you basically you can draw it. There's very little you can actually draw. Because uh, that's one of the things maybe uh, the likes of the cities wasn't overly interested in. Uh, but there's I mean, there's some great campaigns. There's some there's a couple. There's probably at least I would say there's three clever Spartans appear. Uh, very good generals. Uh, we've got uh, we always say Lysander. We've got I think I can't even remember the name of the guy they send to. Syracuse, I think he's a, might be a Xanthippus as well. I'm not entirely to quote me on that one. Uh, but there's also Brasidas, a man called Brasidas, and a very good, very sort of tough campaign. He fights up in northern Greece against uh, the Athenians under Cleon, I think. Uh, the Battle of Amphipolis, where uh, Brasidas gives his life to to basically free the uh, free the northern Greeks from from Athenian command. And it's sort of it's, it's there's there's there are plenty of individuals say both on both sides then plus. The Persian king looming over the top of all of this. Yeah, uh, well, that's what he thought. <laughs> well, he, 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 yeah. no, it, certainly, it certainly did work for him in this case. It certainly did work for for, for like 10, 15 years that he was able to uh, manipulate part of this and get the victory he wanted out of it. Uh, he wanted the he wanted the Spartans to win, and the Spartans do win. So, uh, Lysander does the unthinkable. He defeats the uh, the, the Athenian navy. Athens surrenders after a prolonged siege with d- disease, like, like you said, disease, starvation. They know they've lost their naval, uh, their naval ability or their naval advantage, um, so they surrender. Now this is a very interesting part of the end of this. Cor- Corinth, Corinth, and Thebes demanded that Athens be destroyed, be rocked, be brazed to the ground. Yep. Fuck them. Of all people, the Spartans tell its fellow Peloponnesian League members, no, we're not going to do that. Athens, even though they've been fuckers for the last 50 years, served Greece as a whole in a time of great need. We are not going to fucking destroy this place. We're not going to burn it to the ground. They've lost. We've won. This is what it's going to be. Now... There's a time afterwards that I'm going to have you tell us about. If uh, well, I, I we didn't really do any prep for that part, so we'll see. But there's a, um, you know, that's what happens. The Spartans refuse to, to to do that, um, and Athens continues. But they were ruled by. Can you tell us about the uh, the rule of the thirty tyrants? Oh well, well, not really at the moment because that's the end of the Peloponnesian War. But it's it's. It's actually the, the Spartans tried to try to sort of keep tabs on uh, by uh, with an oligarch with say thirty tyrants ruling Athens, but uh, uh, basically the Athenians can't have it. Uh, they've they've got rid of they've suspended democracy for the Athenians, but uh, the Athenians don't well don't like it basically. They well, yeah, and, and they're it's a reactionary regime that the Spartans created created yeah. to kind of uh, rule over the area um, in the vacuum in between. You know what was going to happen after that. Uh, it was yeah, the Spartans, overthrown the Spartans, and restored the later. Yeah, that the Spartans have worked through democracies all around uh, the Aegean. Uh, they think democracy is a very bad thing, uh, which, in the same after 27 years of war, uh, you can maybe see where they're coming from with that. Especially when the democracy had been so uh, sort of uh, uh, dictatorial uh, on the half on the behalf of the, of the Athenians. But uh, 
uh, essentially, there's a, the, the period after the Peloponnesian War, if there's any period that's sort of under understudied and underlooked at, is is the real period. It's that period of maybe what fifty years between uh, the defeat of Athens and uh, the rise of Philip II uh, oh. of Macedon. Well, the is... Corinthian War was another. Well, yeah, there's the, there's the Corinthian War. There's, we'll do that. Uh, and we'll do that in the lead up to the next one. Was there's another sacred war. There's another. Uh, the, the Spartans invade Persian territory. The uh, there's the uh, there's the March of the Ten Thousand. Yeah. Uh, is another another great thing, which is one of these things that shows Philip II and uh, his uh, and Alexander that uh, Greek troops could easily invade Persia. Oh, oh, he dropped the name. He dropped the name. He said it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what what's coming. Had to, had to be done eventually. But it's, so, it's, it's, it's these things that say that come out after the Peloponnesian War. Uh, the, the Spartans try to learn from their mistakes and actually think try and take a leadership role in Greece, but then they just prove to be crap at it again. Again, uh, it's, again. So uh, I'm not maybe not not try and spoil too much of the Peloponnesian War because I think it's 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 well worth looking at by itself because there's there's so many different. It's again it's so it's 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 at least two wars mashed into one, uh, and then the aftermath of it is uh, all kinds of things. So say so after we... Sparta tries to take the league. There's a second Athenian Empire. There's, uh, yeah, because they there's they, a, re, they recover because of the Corinthian yeah, the Thebans, war. The Thebans then yeah. appear as the uh, or the Thebans appear as the, the strongest thing. Uh, there's another state that actually uh, is the real warning sign for for Ath- for Greece. There's a, a man called uh, uh, Yazon, uh, G- Jason. Uh, he Jason uh, Pharaoh, yeah. he he unites uh, he unites all of Thessaly, uh, and all of a sudden Thessaly becomes this great superpower in the north of Greece. Uh, almost overnight in, in the three seventies, and uh, Greece basically is so many, is so much manpower. He doesn't know what to do with it all, mm-hmm. and uh, now he does. It does. He does fall into factional problems pretty quickly, uh, but uh, it's sort of this blueprint that the that the Macedonians are able to follow. It's so a while. blueprint that shows that hey, there's a lot of yeah. fucking people in in there's the north. There's a lot of power in the north, and if somebody can unite them and take over properly it could be a serious problem especially since we just went through what was it how long total would you say um if we're looking at this in a in a segmented kind of this happened and this happened kind of way what are we talking here 50 years of of just constant conflict between the peloponnesians and and the delians Uh, well uh, constant is a very sort of uh, they're in a, a lot of them are in a war footing for a long period of time rather than actually Fighting. It's one of these yeah. things we don't. It's in the era of total war that we've obviously looked at in the 20th century. It's quite a difficult to. These guys were not necessarily fighting all the time. Uh, it's sort of just a, there was an annual invasion of. Yeah. But it, I mean, there was. Uh, I mean, they were. They, it's, it's. I mean, they've been at each other. They've been eyeballing each other since the 460s. For maybe since 461. So they were out in war for a few years. Manpower, uh, people stretched, stretched to the limit. I mean, it's it's nasty business. But it's the greatest. It's the great thing. We it's the great sort of problem for Sparta that we see at the end. Uh, the same way that Athens had by by closing itself off with the long walls, it then opens itself to plague. By Sparta being a closed society and not inviting in foreigners to uh, to re, to help with the uh, sort of basically to uh, boost their populations. Yeah, yeah. Uh, boost the bloodlines. Uh, by the time we get to 370, 371 actually, the Battle of Leuctra, where the, the Thebans or the, the Spartans fight the Thebans. Um, there's only 1,200 uh, Spartans, proper Spartans. Because uh, once they, again, like we said, it's a very closed off society. They're not really intended yeah. to be in long, um, you know, long, various pitched battles, various, you know, manpower situations. They're built to protect their own city and to go you know be shock troops in a in a crazy situation but they're not they're not the whole system they have set up is not intended to yeah, so be even part of large scale conflicts for so long even worse than that is that is it because of the way their city is run because it is a closed society it's the same thing that happens with all closed societies eventually the bloodline wears out uh it's there's it's it's actually enter enter uh it's, it ends up with the sort of genetic problems of uh, of a of a of a very small gene pool. Yeah, uh, talk about the I, I think we get what you're getting at. <laughs> we're we're yeah, tiptoeing around it. Talk, yeah, it's not necessarily we're not necessarily talking about marrying cousins, but it's it's marrying second and third cousins. Eventually, there's a problem. Yeah, uh, they're close society, no fresh blood. 
Uh, and I said they talk about they, they talk about there was oliganthropia, which is another Greek word that they talk about. It's a lack of people, a lack of men, and this is what the, really what brings Sparta down is that they one military defeat at the hands of the at the hands of the Thebans, and that's basically it. Uh, the, the great Spartan Spartaites are uh, are defeated at the Battle of Leuctra, and that's really the end of Sparta. Uh, not, well, it sticks around, but it's really it's, it's not what we not Sparta anymore. Being Sparta. Um, so this has happened. Sparta, your main land force, has been basically, you know, brought down to ruin between all of these resources being wasted and then the following Corinthian War and the conflicts with Thebes. You got Athens, obviously, that was defeated. That saw a slight revival, but not nearly to what it was. And then you have Jason of Pharaoh up in the north who realizes, hey, there's a lot of people up in the north. Um, he got into factional situations. He got he ended up getting killed, but it was a blueprint. It showed that a united north of Greece could be a real, real problem for the rest of Greece and eventually the rest of the world. Oh, just about. And we will, me and uh, Mr. Peter Crawford, will be getting into that the next time we have a chance to get him on here. Um, one more time: the War of the Three Kings. The War of the Three Gods, excuse me. The War of the Three Gods is out now. Available everywhere that you can buy things. Amazon, right? You can get it digital. Yep. Yep. You guys um, over in America can get it on audiobook as well. We can't get it over here. Oh. Who reads it? How'd you set that up? Uh, well, if you go to Audible, which is the the, the audiobook version of yeah. uh, Amazon, uh, you can find it on there. The guy, the guy, the guy read it for me. And it's put on, online for... So you can buy it from there as well. Have you listened to it? Have you listened to any of it? Is the is it is it? Does Have it I listened to it? Uh, I listened to about two minutes of it, but I wrote the book, so I don't, I don't need to hear. Well, it. I mean, just does does the guy his reading? Does he does he represent the uh, the grandeur well, of what you're talking about properly? He speaks good English. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's really solid. Right. That's solid. That's good. Well, I needed. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I, I there's all all three. There's what the the. the the real paperback, the real hardback. There's, I think, it might actually be a paperback coming in the near future as well. Uh, but there's hardback and ebook uh, e- and audiobook, so they're all they're all available. And uh, supposedly by the end of the year they'll be Constantius the second, but uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'm not even holding my breath, so I don't think you guys should either. Uh, <laughs> but uh, there's plenty of other books as well. So I just sort of so list a wee uh, recommendation. So oh yeah, uh, so not just plugging your one more time. It's the War of the Three Gods by Peter Crawford. He's the man. Um, let's. If there's anybody who would like to do any further reading on uh, the stuff we've been we've covered today, what uh, what stuff would you throw out there for him? Well, so the book I went for a little bit when I was doing some uh, sort of rereading and going back over my own notes and look what book I would uh, suggest. Uh, there's a great book by uh, a, an Irish historian, actually, a man called uh, J. B. Bury, who's a great historian. He wrote history of everything, uh, and he. Uh, but he wrote a history of Greece, and it was redone by a man called uh, I think it's John Meigs. So Bury and Meigs, history of Greece, uh, is a very good. Uh, it's, it's it's very readable. Uh, it's not going to be uh, sort of trouble for but it, it covers Greek history from uh, basically the earliest times down to uh, I can't even remember how far it goes. Uh, he might go to let's just see. Uh, he goes to uh, Alexander the Great. Uh, Mention him here again, but uh, that's that kind of. It's, uh, it's that kind of period of Greece, and uh, but if you want a different perspective, there's also a uh, one I, a book that I quite I like is uh, Tom Holland's Persian Fire. Uh, he focuses a bit more on, again, very readable, uh, as, as all of Tom Holland's books are. Uh, he's uh, he focuses a bit more on the Persian side of things and looks at what are the Persians doing, where how is the Persian kingdom founded, and so that's Persian Fire by Tom Holland. Um, and for, I'd say not even talking about. Uh, our subject, uh, a book I, a book I finished reading not long ago, was uh, uh, Thomas Asbridge's uh, *The Crusades*. Is all is very good. Another very readable, uh, very interesting book, and uh, it covers all of the Crusades, uh, not just the first, second, third, but there's the all the way up to the little known ninth, and the I think it even talks about Nicopolis as well. So I mean, it's it's very interesting, very say, but very easily read. It's a it's a mass market paperback, uh, but it, it does look quite bad. It's, don't be daunted by how thick it is, but uh, it's very interesting and very sort of uh, it's very well written, very well read. Uh, Thomas, I think he did a he did a TV show about the First Crusade as well, which is uh, as as a as a ancient historian, it sort of almost galls me to say it, but uh, 
the First Crusade is almost is probably about as fantastic a tale, I think, as there actually ever is in military history. So the Siege of Antioch is just yeah. totally insane how it actually worked. Uh, the size of armies that were fighting against these Crusaders who who were eating shoe leather by the time the uh, the relief forces come and they fight two or three relief forces in a row and after besieging a city for 18 months with no water and somehow managing to to manage to conquer still conquer the city and then hold the city so uh, things like that just just it's, it's a, obviously cap- captures the imagination so um, but say those if you were looking for say Burian Meeks is the one I'd, I I would definitely suggest for everybody if there's so a no. Burian Meeks and what's the what's the person uh... Persian Fire by Tom Holland. Persian Fire by Tom Holland. And what was the first book called? Uh, History of Greece. History of Greece by Burian oh. Meeks. Yeah. Persian yeah, Fire, Tom Holland. You should be able to get that. I think all of them are will be available for one or two, three dollars maybe on this If you're quite happy to get a second hand book, which I do. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing wrong with a second hand book. As long Not as it's at all. readable, it doesn't matter. So, uh, but as I say, we'll get to, when we get to the, the Peloponnesian War is, uh, uh, again, it's, it's well, maybe a bit more in safer territory with looking at a, uh, uh, a more linear uh, war than trying to get 50 years up to a war. Uh, yeah. War is good fun. Uh, I'll say a bit of everything. Well, I thank you again, man. Thank you very much for uh, giving us your time. Um, you got you got big things going on, so I appreciate, appreciate you taking some time out of that to uh, help us educate the masses out there. Get some uh get some some history out there for the common man to enjoy. I appreciate you very much, brother. Thank you. And uh thank you guys all for listening. I think it's pretty clear what what situation and what people were moving on to the next time I can get Peter on the show, and that's gonna be pretty damn awesome. So I'm excited for that. I'm excited for you guys to come back and check it out. Um and of course myself and my, my host of guests are back on the back on the wrestling tip as well. This is a Release of the companion piece, so check out the wrestling shows too. Our regularly scheduled programs that, of course, be back next week, and then uh, me, myself, and myself and Mr. Peter, we're gonna have to uh, get a lot of get a lot of solid research, get ourselves ready, because the next one's gonna we gotta do it proper justice. The people involved in the next stuff. Thanks again. Thanks for everybody for listening, and uh, we'll be back soon. <laughs>